0: Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome again to another episode of the ADRA Canada Insider. We're so glad you joined us today for this podcast. We have around our table again a couple of regulars. Who do we have with us today?
1: All right, so I'm back. I am Michael Kirkby, the Design and Communications Coordinator at ADRA Canada.
2: And I am Kayla Casey. I am the official social media and website coordinator at ADRA Canada. So
0: it's official now.
2: It's official. It's oh, that's official. Wonderful. I will be with ADRA yeah. for two years. Okay. Um, yeah, so this happened just a month ago. So, so you're wonderful. no longer an intern. I'm no longer Yay. an intern. Yay. Yay. A, Congratulations. Official. Thank you. <laughs> I have an official title now. It's great. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, we're so glad that both of you could uh, be with us on the podcast. And... Uh, uh, as our guest today, we have an important, wonderful guest joining us from the country of Rwanda. Yeah. Vincent, tell us tell us your full name, Vincent, and
3: uh, a little bit about your life story. Thank you so much, uh, Frank, for inviting me to this discussion. My name's Aokelo Vincent. I come originally from Uganda, but working in Rwanda. In Rwanda, I'm serving as the program's director for ADRA. It's um, a very good opportunity to be here.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. What brought you to
3: Canada? I came to Canada f- to attend a conference on uh, adolescent sexual reproductive health and rights. And I will be one of the speakers representing ADRA, Rwanda and ADRA Canada and ADRA in the world. Okay. <laughs> oh, and so is this your first trip to Canada? This is my first trip to Canada and it's um a lovely country. Even though it's April, we have welcomed you with some snow. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> not just snow, we had an ice storm. <laughs> Your first very three good days experience here. because um I have traveled to a number of countries including part of the US, but I've never had the uh, opportunity to Encounter the snow and the ice. Uh. So this is your first. Uh, this, this was. This is my first. Oh, All yeah. right.
1: <laughs> I was a little worried because I, I heard you're coming in April, and I'm like, well, April is kind of a weird time to come to Canada because it, it won't be warm enough for nice weather, and it won't be cold enough for snow. But the weather changed. You got your snow, so I'm I'm yeah.
3: happy for that. <laughs> yes, it's a good experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we're so uh, grateful that. We can uh, benefit from your visit here to Canada. Are you going to Ottawa? Did I hear? I will be going to Ottawa. Is that where today. the conference is being held? That's where the conference oh, okay, is. Okay.
1: Okay. Yes. You're taking the train to Ottawa, I imagine? Yes, I'm taking a train to oh, Ottawa. Right. Not too many trains in Rwanda. So. <laughs> there is actually no
3: train in Rwanda. Yeah, that's right. So. <laughs> <So. laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I
0: think, uh, Vincent, uh, our listeners would be very interested to know just a little bit uh,
3: about your background and your life story. I grew up in Uganda, I was born in Uganda, studied in Uganda, and I started my work with ADRA in Uganda, and that is as far back in 1993.
0: Now, that's about the same time that Anita started there as an intern, is that right? Did you know Anita Uh, when you worked there?
3: Yes, Anita at that time was uh, still a young student. Okay. So she was there as an intern. As an intern, yeah. Once in a while,
0: which was good. For those of you who may not have heard our our recent podcast where we interviewed Anita, Anita is the Director of Emergency Response uh, at ADRA uh, Canada. And uh, we're very grateful that we have Anita working for us here at ADRA Canada and uh, an export from Uganda.
1: (laughs) Uganda makes good people. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I started at a lower level as a stores manager. In Adra, as a watch manager, a store's manager, like a storekeeper. Oh, a storekeeper. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. as a storekeeper in Adra, Uganda, and uh, I progressed to go to Rwanda as the emergency coordinator during the 1994 genocide. Okay. So mm. I witnessed the genocide as well. Oh wow! And uh, later, I moved back. You were to, actually there in the country during that I time. I was in the country during that time. Oh so I witnessed part of the genocide. It was really a very unfortunate situation. Now, can, I remember can... hearing
0: that the uh, ADRA Rwanda office actually became involved in helping out with that uh, situation. Can you tell us a little bit about what ADRA Rwanda was doing during that uh, awful crisis?
3: Yes. Um, ADRA Rwanda, particularly uh, the country director, Carl Wilkins, mm-hmm. was highly involved. He left the office and went moving around, picking all these people who were in danger and brought them to keep in his house for protection. Mm. And this really has brought ADRA's name high in the circles of Rwanda government. Mm. If you go to the Genocide Memorial now, there is ADRA name Mm. there as one of those organizations, the only organization, that participated in saving the lives of the TUSIs. Mm. This is the role that ADRA is uh, established for. And I think this is very good for ADRA's work worldwide, that we can be recognized for the good things that we are doing.
1: So there's actually a book about Carl Wilkins. I believe it's called I'm Not Leaving.
3: Yes. um, Carl Wilkins, when the embassy, the U.S. embassy said, you must leave now and fly out of the country. He told them, I am not leaving because I have a role to protect these people. Wow. Adra International called him and said, Carl Wilkins, you are our staff. We want you to get to the embassy and get out of Rwanda immediately before you're killed. And he said, I am not leaving. Mm -hmm. I have a role to play here. And indeed he stayed. So the embassy and Adra International said, Whatever happens to you, it's you. We don't have any responsibility. Do you accept that? He said, Yes. Mm. Let me die for these people. And but God protected him. I participated in the lake cleanup. You know, everyone was killed, was thrown into Kagera River, Mm. and Kagera River would flow the bodies to Lake Victoria. So Adra Uganda, together with the Prime Minister's office, We had to take boats and life jackets and went to pull bodies from the lake. Mm. Lake cleanup, it's called lake cleanup. And uh, you'd find children put in one stick, women killed, you know, raped. And it was terrible. We we pulled out over 1,300 bodies from the lake. The first two weeks were difficult to deal with for all our staff some of the staff had to pull out in the first two days. And we really put up a lot of effort, a lot of encouragement from the Prime Minister's office. The Prime Minister would come every day to visit Mm. to see how is Adra doing this thing. Mm. And uh, after one week of moving into the water every day, you know, you go to the lake, you pick like 50 bodies, you're tired, the rest are there, you leave them until Mm. the next day. Mm. So, but Thank God, I managed to clean up the lake mm-hmm. and uh, properly bury those people. During that time, we also participated in supporting all the refugees, the Rwandese refugees who had gone to other countries to come back. Mm-hmm. So I really participated in the front line in making sure we register people, resettle them, and even do the land locations. How long after the genocide was over did they start coming back? Immediately after the takeover in, in April, people started coming back. Mm-hmm. People started they coming They were in the Congo back. and... Those were in Congo, those were in Uganda, Tanzania, mm-hmm. Burundi. People started coming back. And it was good to see people come back to their country.
2: Yeah. Mm. I'm sure that might not be easy to yes. come back right away.
3: It was not easy because, you see... The country was still even smelly of mm. dead bodies. Mm. Dogs, you'd find dogs pulling dead bodies all oh, around. Wow, that was very unfortunate, really. But uh, after some time now, Rwanda is a country you can recon with. Mm-hmm. It's um, developing at a very fast speed. Oh, it's amazing how yeah. very how amazing fast Rwanda is developing. Yes, yeah, it's a beautiful country and very beautiful. And I think the history has given people the opportunity to look forward yeah. to moving into development and not thinking of what happened. Yes. So this, this is good for, for Rwanda. And I think it's something that other countries should learn from. Mm. That yeah. uh, you use your experience to build the future.
0: Uh, Now, before we uh, talk about some of the current projects that ADRA Canada is involved in right now in Rwanda, can you tell us a little bit about uh, ADRA Canada's history in Rwanda? When did we start working in the country and what types of programs have we done over the years?
3: I think I must say that uh, ADRA Canada's involvement in Rwanda has been very tremendous with a lot of impact. ADRA Canada first um, worked with ADRA Rwanda in 1995, and this program was uh, supporting small groups of people to establish cooperatives so that they can work as a group. ADRA continued working with them, building the capacity. Up to today, that cooperative has become a rice-producing cooperative. Is this where they did the swamp reclamation? Swamp reclamation, and now they have built a factory, they are processing rice, and they are exporting rice. So that is ADRA, Rwanda product. Okay. And didn't
0: didn't Canada also, with the help of the Canadian government, um, build uh, some schools
3: and some a hospital there? A number or, of schools were built by Canadian funding through ADRA, a okay. number of schools, a number of health centers, and all these are there. Okay. And they're, they're still, serving people. Still operations. Established, yeah. very established. They are maintained. And I think that's the good part of Rwanda. They are more concerned in making sure whatever they receive helps the people. Mm. After that project, ADRA got involved with the, the LEAF project. What uh, year did that start, the LEAF project? The LEAF project. Oh, what
0: does
2: LEAF stand for?
3: Uh, LEAF stands for Learning uh, Environmental Adaptations for Food Security. Mm. It's a program that the Canadian government funded through ADRA Canada, and it was implemented in uh two districts in in Rwanda, Kayonza and Gasebo districts. This project worked with cooperatives. Maybe tell us, uh, what is a cooperative in Rwanda? A cooperative in Rwanda is uh, a group of people who come to do a specific activity. They have a focus on a specific activity. A cooperative becomes a cooperative when it has a legal status, when the government has registered it. Mm. The registration is done at the Ministry of Commerce and cooperatives. So when you get that certificate, then you qualify to be a cooperative. One of the activities that the LEAF did was to organize people in groups, train them, and then help them to develop plans that they could use to implement their activities. Could, so
2: you, could you give us some examples of what the LEAF project trains people in?
3: The LEAF project trained people in uh, processing fruits like the post-harvest management. During the wet season, you get a lot of pineapples, you get a lot of bananas, you get a lot of tomatoes, vegetables. During the dry season, there is nothing. So the leaf project trained people to manage the harvest such that they can also use it during the dry season when there is nothing. So like uh, the pineapples, people were trained how to cut the pineapples and dry them using the solar dryers. And then pack them in small tins. They can... Stay there for two years without getting spoiled. Mm. Mm. You you know, pineapples, usually when people people peel the pineapple and throw the peelings. So we trained people to use the peelings, boil them, and make juice out of it. Really? And pack it. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) People are doing it, even Mm. up to today. So a cooperative
0: is really taking the people of a local village yes. and bringing them into a small group yes. where you can do the training. Yes. Now, does ADRA come into every village and do the training, or how do you disseminate the information to okay. all the villages in the area?
3: Yeah, what actually helped us, we built in the sustainability strategy right from the beginning of the project. So what we did was organize people in groups, and then I devised people to pick one or two people who could be trained mm. and then they come back as their trainers. So you bring one or two from each village from each to a central from location. From each group.
0: From each group. Yes. To a central location where ADRA
3: does all of the training. Yes. And then those individuals go back to the village. Go back to the to their groups right. and train their groups. Okay. So it's somebody within the group who gets the training and comes back to that very group to train members of the okay. group so in a village you might find there are more than 2 3 cooperatives okay mm-hmm. so each of the cooperatives or group has a team that trains them mm. and that was a very good strategy and i think that is what even helped these groups to continue up to today so how many groups did you um, work with in the we life? had 154 wow groups yeah. so out of those groups uh, we had about 83 that were enabled to register and get legal status as cooperatives. Okay. That now, That is a big number, mm-hmm. very big number. I, when I was
0: there, I met a, a young man who had some property, and he had planted hundreds if not thousands of trees. Was that part of the LEAF project, that, where, that encouraging was, people to plant
3: trees? Yes. You know, LEAF was uh, looking at environmental adaptations. So tree planting... Fruit tree planting were part of the, of the project interventions. Not only that person you saw, but there are many of them who had a lot of trees mm. grown. We had uh, over a million trees grown.
0: What kind of an impact has that had on the, that part of Rwanda, that region of Rwanda?
3: Of the recent post-implementation evaluation that the government of Canada did on that project, there was a lot of positive impact. The kind of erosion, when you moved around that place, it was bare, that is no longer the case. Mm. Erosion has been controlled because now there are trees around, there is cover around. I'm curious to know if there's been more rainfall since, since the trees were
0: planted yes, in that area. Yes,
3: there has been a little bit of increased rain mm. uh, because, you know, the area is a little rocky, So the trees were not growing very fast. But there has been a level of increased rainfall. Uh, If you look at a place like Ndego, where it would take two, three years for that area to receive rain. These days, it receives rain every year. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. I've heard that.
0: I've heard that if you plant trees, it kind of attracts the rain somehow. Yes, yes. And uh, it's interesting to see that played out and and, uh, proven. Mm. And in Dago, that's
1: part of our Kureneza project? Or what yes. part of our Kureneza that's project? The,
3: that is the Kureneza project, Yeah. Part I vi- of the Kureneza.
1: I visited there in 2015 and it was very dry and dusty. Exactly. So it's it's uh, amazing to hear that now they're getting rain they're more getting often, rain.
3: that's... Yeah, at least every year they will get rain. Wow. Those days it would take, that place would take two to three years without seeing anything to do with rain. And uh, people used to migrate a lot But now people are stable. They are there. They're staying. They are staying because they are assured of some rain and they can plant their crops. And the malnutrition rates were too high. Today the malnutrition rates are really controlled.
0: Now in addition to planting trees, what else is ADRA teaching the cooperatives that might increase the
3: uh, nutrition
0: for, for the families?
3: The LEAF was giving education and support in terms of environmental protection. Uh, that included planting of trees, educating people on management and the handling of the trees, educating people on soil erosion and uh, soil cover, using the permaculture approaches. And then uh, we also had a gender aspect. You know, gender equality is one of the mm. issues that... The Rwanda government is inclined to see. Oh, Rwanda improving. is as well.
0: I know Canada has become very <laughs> yes uh, focused on, <laughs> on gender equality exactly, and also in Rwanda that's very yes very in good. Rwanda
3: as well. Remember, Rwanda is the country with the highest number of women in parliament. Okay, yeah, at least sixty-five percent of oh, the parliament. Well, that's better than women. Canada. <laughs> so we had the gender issues, gender integration in the project. We also had nutrition and we had uh, nutrition sensitive agriculture. Then we had animal production. So we distributed goats to people. Now there was a link between the goats, the nutrition gardens, nutrition knowledge and management of malnutrition in those things. So the goats were given to produce manure for the nutrition gardens, so that people can have organic manure. Mm. But we also taught people that goat milk is more nutritious than the cow milk. Mm. So They some, weren't using goat milk before. It's it's like a cultural, okay. mm. cultural and not acceptable for people to use goat milk. But with through the leaf, we trained the people, and some people started using goat milk. They are very good testimonies of... Uh, Families that used goat milk and the kids are tremendously great. Mm, Yes. That's great. So the other aspect that we were looking at was economic development for the households, improving income levels. The households, through the permaculture approach, were trained to generate business ideas from permaculture. For instance, we were looking at things that bring income quickly to the household. I'll give you an example. Of uh, a group that was growing maize, and they would grow maize once in a year, and uh, they had three acres, they would earn roughly 1.5 million Rwandan francs. That's around $2,000. So, when we advise them to do the vegetables, which were not a common thing, the vegetables, they can grow them three times in a year. Mm. And every time they would get 7.5 million. Wow, that's, that's about three point almost four thousand dollars, three times a year. Three then. times okay. a year. so that's a bit of an increase. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that <laughs> was really, you know, gave them a lot of income. So th- those are some of the things that the project really is proud of having created structures on the ground.
1: I, I was mm-hmm. able to visit one cooperative while I was I was in Rwanda. It was run by uh, women. Um, I believe they were Muslim women. Yes, yes, yes. And I was just amazed to see the variety of plants that they had growing. They had uh, strawberries, carrots, beets, beets, you name it. They had everything growing. And, and they were just getting started on mushroom farming Yeah, when I was there. And that was an initiative that they took on their own. ADRA had shown them how to grow all of the vegetables and they were really successful in the vegetables and they were looking to see how they could better themselves and become more profitable. And they discovered mushroom farming and they had started it. And I went into their little, shelter where the mushrooms were growing and yeah it was just full of mushrooms mm-hmm. and it was it was really amazing this it smell. It wasn't terrible. It smelled musty. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. No, it's, Definitely it's, not the worst thing I've smelled in my life. It's
3: well you know the mushrooms are hygienically grown. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good that you already have the experiences of Adra's work in, in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is that Adra has done a tremendous job in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even when you look at the current projects after they leave, now the government of Canada gave us two projects, and we are very grateful to the government of Canada for the trust, promise, which is maternal and child health, uh, based in eastern part of the country, and then embrace also maternal and child health based in western part of the country. These projects have made a lot of changes. Okay. Uh, recently we met um, with the Mi- Deputy Minister for Global Affairs Canada in, in Rwanda. Rwanda. She visited and uh, she had opportunity to talk to the Minister of Health in Rwanda, Dr. Dian. And uh, Dr. Dian, the Minister of Health in Rwanda, pointed out to the Minister, Deputy Minister for Global Affairs that ADRA was doing a tremendous okay. job in implementing health projects. So that really was very good to hear directly from the minister in the meeting. That was very good for us to hear. It demonstrates that we are focused in working with government on programs that are touching lives of people. If you look at, for instance, Embrace Project in Yabihu, there were a number of women who were dying Mm. because they could not reach the health center for delivery. Of when they were giving birth. Giving birth. There were a number of them who would deliver at home because... Rwanda is hilly and they could not get into the health center in time to deliver. So the project gave an ambulance mm. from around 68% of women who were delivering at home or along the roads with children dying because of the cold. Now that has reduced to around three or four women delivering at home. Mm. Wow.
0: Did you did you say 60 to 80%? We're delivering at home. Yes. Wow. And yeah. now it's down to just a few that are doing just it. Just
3: three to four. Because of the ambulance that. Because I, of the ambulance. Now the ambulance can reach everyone quickly.
1: And if I'm not uh, mistaken, we are getting another ambulance in Rwanda.
3: Yes, we mm-hmm. are getting another ambulance to another health center, which is very remote. Is this the third one? Because when I was there, we got the second one, down uh, in. In Promise, yes, in, in Eastern Promise. Oh, oh so this Eastern. is the third one. So this is going to be the third one. Oh, wow. That's great. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And we are now starting to break the ground to build a maternity in one of the health centers where people have been traveling so many kilometers to go for delivery. So now we are going to establish a maternity. We're going to build a maternity. We've already issued a contract. And uh, very soon, uh, next week, I think, is when we can break the ground. And this
0: is with the Embrace
3: Project. Yes. Okay. So there is going to be improved sanitation because the project is going to support 800 latrines for households. You know, human faeces disposal is a problem. People, they just use the bush, Mm. and which is not good. So the project is going to support 800 latrines for 800 households. When you look at um, the things that the project has done with the permaculture approach, which
2: So Vincent, when you mentioned permaculture, do you mind just elaborating on that just a little bit to tell us about more of what it is exactly for our listeners?
3: Yes, uh, permaculture is a very innovative approach, which is very, very good for places that are semi-arid. The approach uses the ideology of natural equilibrium, where whatever you do should not affect the other, but it should enhance the other activity. For instance, any human activity should not destroy the environment, but enhance the environment. The environment should support human life, but without destroying human life. So it's about equilibrium. Mm -hmm. Now, the permaculture approaches that we use, especially for kitchen gardening in semi-arid areas, techniques that help to keep the water on the ground for longer. So that is the kind of te- technique that we are using. So people need less water to water the, the garden. And if they watered, uh, they would be watering like once or twice a week compared to these other traditional approaches where you have to water every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see, okay. So the permaculture approach reduces the time people use to water the garden so that they can use that for other activities. Mm-hmm. So that approach is very, very Good and very productive.
1: And a lot of the times, it's it's really simple things that like I wouldn't have ever thought of, like putting an unglazed pot in the uh-huh. in the ground and filling it with water, and the water leaks out through the pot over time and waters the exactly, garden. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's uh, just really, and this is a clay pot, of course. It's it's, it's not yeah. a metal Was pot.
2: In our gift catalog?
1: Uh, yeah, we had some in okay. our gift catalog uh, this year and last year, I believe. So
3: this is really different from the traditional method we have been using. Now we can have vegetables throughout the year. So everyone now has a kitchen garden. And the government has taken this as part of the performance contract that every household must have a kitchen garden. And they must follow the permaculture approach that ADRA is promoting. The government of Rwanda is saying this. The (sighs) government of Rwanda. So so
1: ADRA is having an impact on government regulations. Yes. (laughs) Look at that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. Um, I wanted
0: to ask you about that ADRA-Rwanda's relationship with the government of Rwanda. It seems like there you have uh, a lot of respect built up over the years there. Tell us how that happened. How did uh, ADRA-Rwanda really get on the map in Rwanda with the government there?
3: You know, ADRA, they go to the most difficult places. Places where other organizations say, huh, that one, it will be too costly, will not go there. That is where ADRA goes. Mm. Nyabihu district, for instance, is the district that had the worst indicators. For malnutrition. Malnutrition, poverty levels, teenage pregnancies, child dropouts from school, even education standards, it had the worst indicators in the country. And uh, nobody wanted to go to Nyabihu, but ADRA went in there. And because of that, the strategies that were, that were built in through the Embrace project that the Canadian government has funded through ADRA Canada, we have turned the district around. Wow. And it's now the district that every person wants to visit.
1: Go ADRA. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that was one thing that I, I, I was very impressed with when I was in Rwanda. It felt like everywhere you drove, you saw signs for projects that were yeah. part of ADRA's work. Yes. Um, it's something I've never experienced in any other country I've been, yep. but it's, it felt like everywhere you went, it was ADRA, ADRA, ADRA. And yes. everybody knew ADRA. Yes. As, yeah. If you, if you mention you're from ADRA, everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, ADRA, yeah. ADRA. And, yeah, so Rwanda and ADRA, very close relationship, yes. I think, mm-hmm. that I, just from my, my outside perspective.
3: Uh, maybe just to add on there, I think the, the government has a, a lot of trust in ADRA because when they give ADRA a task... We achieve it. You know, we even achieve it at a low cost, you know, at a very cheap rate. Mm-hmm. Our projects are very cost effective, but highly effective in terms of results. So that's where the government says, if you want to achieve anything, go to ADRA. Today, ADRA is the pattern of choice for education in Rwanda. And that's why we are taking care of all the education. in, in You're still building in all in schools? The and we are building schools. We are building health centers. We are building computer rooms, all these activities we are doing. Now we are even uh, building early childhood centers. We are building child-friendly play centers because they trust that if you give ADRA a task, they will achieve it. Mm. I think that is what is driving our close relationship with government. And we are proud yeah. to be Rightly part of so. Yeah. I think both
0: Michael and I, when we have visited Rwanda, we've also taken a day or two to visit uh, some of the refugee settlements that you're working with there. Can you tell us a little bit about what Adra Rwanda is doing for refugees that are, are streaming
3: still into Rwanda or have been there for many years? Adra is working in all the camps in the. In the country. All of the camps? All the camps. How many camps? We have six camps. Okay. For the Burundian refugees, there is one camp, Mahama, for the Burundian refugees, and then five camps for the Congolese refugees. Mm. So ADRA is working in all this. Uh, last year, previous five years, ADRA was implementing education in all the five camps. This year, we all are dealing with Burundian refugees. I know in
0: Mahama yeah. camp.
3: In Mahama camp, I saw camp. all of the schools that you had built yes. there. How many? How many classrooms was that? It, the first classrooms, the first set of classrooms we built was 133. Wow. In how, Mahama. That's
2: very big. Yeah. It's yeah,
3: and uh, all these were built in only three months. And they're beautiful classrooms. Very beautiful. Yeah. We added another 55 classrooms in that place. Really? Mm. Yes. Wow. Could you, now, could you
2: give us an estimate of how many students usually come?
3: Like, like in Mahama alone, we have 16,000 students wow.
0: in that school. And these are all refugees or they're all from, from, from the community as well?
3: All of them are refugees with about uh, 4,000 children from the host community. For us, we introduced integrated model of education where we bring the refugees mm-hmm. and the host community students together. Okay. They study together normally using the same curriculum. And then now we have included inclusiveness. No child should be left behind. Mm-hmm. So all these kids who are, have learning needs like the blind, the deaf, all of them are at school.
2: So do we have um, like specific classrooms or programs within the schools that help uh, children with disabilities?
3: no. They sit together with the rest. Oh,
2: they all sit together. Okay. Yes.
3: But we have employed teachers who are specialized in special needs. Oh, okay. Including the dumb, the deaf mm-hmm. who can, you know, use their hands to give instruction. No, sign language. Sign language. So they are in class. This one teaches with sign language, the other one teaches with normally. So this has really changed the perception of education mm. among the communities around.
0: So they are probably getting a better education because they are in the camps
3: than they would probably have at home. Exactly. Uh, They wouldn't have got that at home if they stayed at home. In Burundi or, or DRC, the education that is provided in Rwanda is of high quality. So besides education... We are also doing a general food distribution mm-hmm. for all the camps. We also do non-food item distribution, all the camps. And we also do psychosocial support okay. in all the camps. Then we do all the logistics and supply management in all the camps. So it's a lot of involvement, not dry right in, the, in the camps. Atch is busy. very busy. Is very, busy. very busy indeed. All right. We've come to that time in our
0: podcast where we talk to our guest a little bit about uh, maybe one of your most memorable experiences as you have uh, worked with ADRA over the years. What, what stands out in your mind as being perhaps one of the most memorable times that you have had? As we were getting ready for this podcast, you, you gave us a, a couple of stories
3: that were yes. quite exciting, actually. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. Yes. I would say I have two memorable stories. One of them was when I was working in northeastern Uganda, where we were doing a resettlement program for people in eastern who were displaced by the Karamojong cattle rustlers. The Karamojong cattle rustlers are, are armed people who are nomads and the they believe every cow is theirs. And they can attack any place and take the cows, kill people, burn places. And so I was involved in a resettlement program where people who were displaced were taking them back to their place and making sure they established. One of the activities that we had was tree planting for soil cover in that place. We had to go and look for an agriculturist like an agronomist, Mm -hmm. and this person could only be picked from the neighboring town in Karamoja. Mm -hmm. So as we went there to pick this guy, we had a serious ambush. You had an ambush? Serious ambush, where four boys were all shooting the vehicle from all corners. Wow. And I was driving, and, you know, bullets coming all through. Over 50 bullets were shot through. But none of those bullets went through the car. Wow. That was a sign that that was God around the car, you know? <laughs> that sounds and terrible. finally, one person who was in the front sat in the middle of the road with a gun oh. and put it here and shot the engine. That stopped the vehicle. All the water blew off and I could not even see the road. I had to stop it. The engine stopped and I told the guys who were inside, roll down. And we rolled down to the bush. So you opened your doors and just rolled down into yeah, the bush. opened the door, rolled down to the bush. Wow. There. So that was a very good experience. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> my nice. office, my country director then, uh, Doris Jorgensen. I remember her. Yeah. Yes. I called her and said, this is what has happened. And she asked me, are you fine? Yes. Can I send a vehicle to, I want to see you. I said, no, I still have a role here to play. <laughs> no, I want to close that project immediately. I said, you will not close the project because people need service.
1: So you called a Carl Wilkins, I'm not leaving. I am mm-hmm. not leaving.
3: I learned from Carl Wilkins. <laughs> yeah, I <was> gonna say. <laughs> so she said, ah, Vincent, I can't believe it. When are you coming here? I said, give me two weeks. I want to see that the project is continuing normally, then I can come. I can even take a month off if I feel I should. Mm. God really is protecting uh, yes. his ADRA workers out in the field. So much. Uh, we can't believe what God is doing to ADRA workers. I think with that, I won't take you to the next story, which is very interesting as well. Okay. I look forward to hearing. <laughs> <laughs> After Rwanda, I was sent to Liberia. I got a call to go to Liberia. So as, why as, did you as need As the to go program's to... director. Because Joffrey uh, had been transferred to South Sudan, so I had to go and replace him. So I went there as the program's director, 2014. Okay. And in May, when I was getting there, Ebola started to appear. The Ebola crisis that the we've Ebola heard crisis, about and yes. helped with. It started to appear. And there was no way out to reverse. So by July, August, there was too much crisis of Ebola in, in Liberia. Most organizations pulled out their staff, international staff. We were working with UNHCR to support refugees' uh, operations in Liberia, in all the camps. And uh, I went to the rep. I said, uh, you know what, I think I have to leave. And the UNHCR rep said, no, if you leave, the refugees will die. All of them will die. Why don't you work with us, with your network, and make sure we can do something? So in August, we sent a note to ADRA Canada, ADRA International, ADRA Germany. So the network gave us an initial response and then followed up with a number of responses. Our contribution was tremendous. The Canadian government supported our operation and uh, sent tents there. Global medics sent a lot of stuff that was used for handling the Ebola crisis. You know, the protective gear the sanitizers and all these things. Adra's role in Ebola was very tremendous because, you see, Liberia is a very superstitious country. They believe in witchcraft. Mm. So they thought Ebola was just witchcraft. Okay. They believed that the devil was not happy. So that's why the devil was bringing this kind of death. They didn't believe it was Ebola. But for us, we knew it was Ebola. So we had to take up a serious role of sensitizing people, educating people on Ebola
0: throughout the country. How much did you know about Ebola as, as you went into this situation?
3: Remember, I came from Uganda where Ebola attacked a number of times. Mm. So I knew about Ebola. You had some experience. I well, had experience. It seems like Ebola. God was sending you there yes. at the right time. <laughs> yeah. So I knew what to do with Ebola. And out of the 200 staff that ADRA, Liberia had, none of those staff got in contact with Ebola. Oh, that's amazing. We didn't have any issue, nothing reported, even in their families. So that was, again, God doing a very good job. Mm. ADRA, besides educating people, was also distributing food. So we're distributing food for everyone in the village and everyone in the Ebola treatment units it was safer to take food to the treatment center because you know everyone there is positive. You You take more precautions. You take more Mm precautions. But in the village, you don't know who is positive. Mm -hmm. So it was more dangerous in the village than in the treatment center. But with the support we got and the training, emergency trainings we got, and the, the role we played in making sure our staff are following these things, it was really good that Adra got involved. I don't know if we're not to educate people, help them with food. I don't know what would have happened. Many more would have died. Many people would have died. There were other people also who were educating people, but they would print leaflets, give, distribute, you know. That was not effective for Mm. Ebola Mm. because people would pick and they would say, ah, they would throw it. It was witchcraft. This is witchcraft. What we did was to involve the county chiefs, the uh, district commissioners, the local chiefs, and we used the mobile audiovisual strategy, Mm. where you are showing the genesis of Ebola people really see, where you are showing the president talking, the minister of health talking, We had to use people who had experience, those ones who had gotten treated and they recovered. So we used those ones as speakers when we go to sensitize people. So we show these videos and then in the middle of the video, you stop it, you discuss with the people. So what have you understood Mm. about Ebola? Mm. Do you still believe this is witchcraft? Mm. And that changed the lives of people and the perception. And I'm grateful the Canadian government, through ADRA, Canada, provided a lot of support Mm. to the fight against Ebola in Liberia. Wow, that's a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. And we're so grateful
0: that you were there to help uh, put that program into place and save so many lives. All right, we've come to that point in the podcast where we uh, do question and answers, where we take the questions that you are sending in uh, and if you have a question about what adra is doing and how we do it why we do the things that we do please uh, send your question in to stay in touch at adra.ca and uh, if we read your question on air and uh, talk about your question we'll send you a, a book uh, faith to change the world as our gift and now today's question is all about the environment um, what is ADRA Canada doing when they implement their programs to make sure that uh, the programs, the the impact that we have in all the countries where we're working, is environmentally uh, conscientious and uh, environmentally friendly, and uh, so we want to talk about that today.
1: And I think it's I think it's great that we have Vincent here with us because, in at least in my mind, Rwanda is probably one of the most environmentally friendly ADRA countries that I can think of with the most projects that tie in the environment. Even the
0: government is very yeah, concerned yeah. about the environment. I remember when you go to the store, there's no plastic bags Yes. in Rwanda. It's all yeah. paper bags, yeah. isn't it? Because they yes. don't want the plastic flying around.
1: And the yeah. last Saturday of every month, the country shuts down and people clean. Am I... Am I?
3: That is true.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah Rwanda is a very environmentally conscious country. Yeah, And so do you want to just give us some examples of what is part of the projects in in Rwanda that um, deal with the environment issue?
3: All our projects in Rwanda, we tie in the aspects of environment. Maybe I should start from the government policy environment. The government of Rwanda, as you already rightly put it, does not allow any plastic bags in the country Mm. because this spoils the environment. So that is already a step forward which supports environmental protection in the country with this in our background you find that all projects that we develop have to follow environmentally friendly policy that the government is promoting i will give a few examples like in embrace project is one of the gsc supported projects we do have tree planting as part of the environmental protection And uh, this is part of what ADRA Rwanda is doing so much with the support from ADRA Canada. Like what we did in the leaf, we planted almost a a million trees. In the Embrace project as well, because it's another location, this activity is is being done. And the purpose is that we improve the soil fertility. We also improve uh, soil cover so that we reduce erosion, given the hills in the country. So this is one area of environmental protection. And then we also distributed cows to households to support with milk for nutrition of the children, but also to provide manure, Mm. you know, because we don't use uh, chemical fertilizers, we promote Mm. organic manure. So people from the cows will get manure that they can use in their kitchen gardens. Mm. So this is also one of the environmental methods that we are using. Things like crop rotation, intercropping plants with trees, Mm. these are some of the things that are promoted through the permaculture approach. So generally all our projects, they build in the element of environmental protection because we are very sensitive to the environment. If you look at why in Embrace project, for instance, we are supporting the establishment of 800 latrines, among 800 households is because of environmental protection. People have been using open uh, defecation. Right. So now Mm. that affects the environment, especially the water sources. Mm. So now with the latrines, this will be contained and the environment will be protected. We have just received an approval from GSE after doing environmental impact assessment, uh, soil, analysis, and all these other methods, which are required by GSC, all these have been done and GSC has approved us to start off with the construction, meaning we are environmentally friendly in every activity that we do. So this is good that ADRA Canada and ADRA Rwanda are very sensitive to environment in our activities. Wonderful. Now,
0: some of our listeners
3: might not know who's
0: GAC. GAZ is Global Affairs Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we're in line with uh, all of the uh, directives that are coming from the Government of Canada as we implement the programs there in Rwanda. And,
1: of course, uh, it's not just Rwanda that ADRA is doing this in our projects. We're doing it in projects around the world. Um, In Kenya, we have our Farmer Managed Natural Regeneration um, I've never visited that project, Frank. I believe you've no, visited. I
0: haven't uh, either okay,
1: but i've I've heard good things yes. about that project. Um, maybe in an upcoming podcast we can. Uh we oh, that would
0: be great! I know that uh, Sharmila has visited there. Anita okay. has visited there, mm. so we could maybe have them talk about
1: yeah. that. So next, next, next podcast That's we'll have Sharmila on, um, and she can uh, she can talk about that a little bit. Uh, another example that I can think of is in the Philippines um, after Typhoon Haiyan in 2013. We have been supporting communities to adapt to the climate because Mm. their livelihoods were washed away and and so we've been um, showing them new new skills Um, the one thing that uh, comes to mind is the seaweed farming Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that they hadn't been doing before, but because the climate in their, their region had changed, we, they are now able to do seaweed farming and are, are making profits from that. And, mm. and, and part of the project in the Philippines is disaster risk reduction. So um, if another storm is coming, we teach them how to remove the seaweed farm and they can take it and store it on land oh, okay. until after mm-hmm. the storm has passed. Mm. That way, they, it doesn't wash out to sea, and they lose their livelihood right. yeah. again. Yeah. Mm. So it's just um, another example of and, of.
2: and then after the storm passes, they put yeah, livelihoods that, back. Yes, into the yeah, yeah. Once okay. once the
1: storm is gone, then they, they can move everything back, back and mm. it hasn't washed away. They still have it. So That's it's a very
3: good strategy. Yeah. yeah,
0: I remember when Sharon was here, uh, and she was talking about the construction that uh, the Embrace Project is doing in the Philippines. Mm-hmm that um, a lot of uh, environmental impact studies had to be done even before they could get the contract to build and how um, they were disposing of the paint properly. The extra paint that they were using for the building construction was it had to be uh, disposed of in a mm. proper way as, uh, yeah. to protect the environment. So these kinds of things are, are actually required by our the Canadian government, right, mm-hmm. um, mm. before we can even do any of the, the projects. But even if we weren't required to do this by the contract agreements that we have with the Canadian government, it's something that ADRA Canada is very conscientious about as well, right? We would be... Yeah wanting to, to make sure that the programs that uh, and the projects that we conduct around the world are uh, making sure that uh, we're not causing any harm to the environment. Mm. Well, this is a very exciting and interesting topic. I think we'll have to maybe do a whole podcast on it sometime about mm. how uh, ADRA Canada is uh, environmentally friendly. Mm. Well, I think that that uh, does it for our podcast. We're so uh, grateful and thankful that uh, you took the time, Vincent, to join us as uh, our guest today. And uh, we look forward to having our listeners join us again uh, for our next podcast. Remember, if you have a question or any comments about our podcast that you'd like to share with us, send us uh, an email at stayintouch@adra.ca. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you down the road.